Welcome back to another episode of the Next Generation Design Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. Thank you for joining us for a discussion on the outlook of the aerospace and defense industry. We're joined today by our guests, John O'Connor and Derek England. My name is uh, John O'Connor. I'm the Director of Product and Market Strategy at Siemens Digital Industries Software. My role here is uh, to really help guide a lot of the market and product strategy discussions that we have with customers and try to understand details of what our customers are trying to achieve and bring those back into our organization to help drive product development. My background is as a mechanical engineer with a master's degree in materials engineering. Did a lot of work in the defense industry early on in a variety of defense products, uh, ranging from field artillery systems to electro-optical countermeasures and that type of product suite. And for a number of years, I worked uh, with a software company called Vistagy involved in the development of uh, composite software, principally in the aerospace industry. Yeah, uh, my name is Derek England, and uh, my role at uh, Siemens Digital Industries is the NX product manager, and I'm responsible for the aerospace and defense industry. My role is really to work with our customers who are using NX and to understand their design processes and to understand where we can improve these processes through enhancements. And then I work with our development organization to ensure those enhancements get, make it into the program. And then of course it's fit for use and ready to, to be used. John and Derek share their insights into the key trends that we're seeing in the industry and detail the next generation solutions that Siemens Digital Industries software offers. They talk about how they're supporting customers in their efforts to produce next generation products that are high performing, cost effective, and ultimately represent new ways of business and pave the way for the emergence of new industries. While John describes this as an exciting and dynamic time marked with innovative companies, new products, and transformative design, it's also come with added product complexity. As uh, aerospace companies are trying to serve the needs of their customers and develop more advanced, higher performance products that are more fuel efficient or perhaps have longer range or are lower cost to maintain, that's actually driven the use of all sorts of different new technologies. So uh, increased electrification in aircraft in terms of all sorts of systems, uh, increased use of avionics, dramatic increases really in the use of avionics, changes towards uh, potentially electrical propulsion systems, so electric motors instead of traditional turboprops uh, driving aircraft. Uh, we're seeing a lot of changes, of course, in terms of the use of composite structure. That's been a dramatic transformation. And just overall, the desire to take aircraft designs that have been, I'd say, fairly static, sort of stayed designs over time and change them to try to meet sort of an increased variety of operational profiles that companies are, are trying to pursue to be uh, much more competitive in, uh, in the market. These complexities become even harder to tackle because many companies aren't able to move rapidly enough to address them in-house. The greater the product complexity, the greater the need for a complex resolution. And these solutions just aren't growing at the same rate. John speaks to the impact that has and what Siemens is doing to help address it. The 
capability curve and the complexity curve cross. And at that point, you have some sort of business impact on a program where you have delayed schedule, perhaps you have budgetary issues, it challenges meeting requirements. And so what we seek to do as a, uh, a supplier of, of engineering software is to help customers bend that capability curve. In effect, to keep that capability curve ahead of the complexity curve and make it so that they can pursue much more advanced types of designs, address you know, higher performance products or the needs of higher performance products, but do that in a way that still allows for profitable growth in their business. Derek recaps examples of how Siemens was able to help a customer navigate some of these complexities. There was a, another great example in the area of VR. We had um, a customer who had said, oh, we can re-engine this aircraft in a very inexpensive way. They didn't really believe that the, the supplier could do that. And so they actually brought them into their, their lab and did a, a simulation in VR and said, this is exactly how the, it, would, it would work. You know, this is the old design, this is the new design, showed how the, the technician could actually reach in there and access these points and what exactly in the model changed. And they could show that to them before and after and that the, the impact is not as great as they were thinking it was. And it gave them the level of confidence to move forward and um, to win the contract to, to range in the aircraft. A great example of, of a next generation capability that Siemens offers that produces a next generation product for our customer. Derek and John speak to three key trends they're seeing in the industry. Product complexity, as we discussed, workforce demographics, and supply chain. Globalization was another factor that they spoke to. Disruption is happening all around the world, and many of the legacy players in the aerospace and defense industry need to both address the new competition and find a way to collaborate across geographies. Collaboration would allow these organizations to leverage the growth, new technologies, and new opportunities being developed in other aerospace markets. John and Derek spoke to some of the emerging companies and how they're structuring their operations. For many of those new entrants, sort of a lot of the startups that you see in terms of UAVs or uh, urban air mobility, for these companies, they face the challenges that every startup company faces, and it's time to revenue. How fast can they be able to create a design, be agile, address the needs of the market, and bring a product to market in order to be able to get the, um, the first revenue they need in order to keep the business uh, moving forward? For those companies, it's a dramatically different time frame that they operate on. It's a very different type of business challenge that they face, but they still have all the same constraints that any company would face trying to produce any kind of aerospace product with all the uh, safety and criticality issues that go along with it. It's also interesting too that as you talk to these startup companies and they're thinking about you know what sorts of engineering tools they're going to be using, they're strongly invested in, the, in thinking about the future, right? It's not just, well, what do we need to do to bring the first aircraft to market, but how are we going to bring a family of aircraft to market over many decades? And it's there that you find companies are really thinking through the questions of, of when I make that first engineering IT investment, when I buy my engineering development tool, that's going to set in place a whole series of decisions going forward. We go on to dive deeper into the three industry trends, starting with product complexity and building upon what John and Derek discussed at the top of the conversation. Product complexity has a variety of different facets to it. 
I would say that uh, first and foremost, you're likely to see uh, additional levels of geometric complexity, right? As designs become much more efficient, you're seeing companies move towards design methodologies and new approaches that create more complex geometries. Uh, but of course, they need to be able to do this at a lower cost impact. Another area is uh, looking towards increasing the overall structural performance. So having a design that's improved in strength, corrosion, or fatigue, but weighs less. A third area is uh, uh, just in the increased use of avionics, uh, the increased sort of avionics content of, uh, of aircraft. You know, for example, there's been a 10 times power increase in avionics over the last 50 years. And if you couple that with new trends in electrical propulsion systems, you're likely to see an even more dramatic increase in electrical content. And of course, all that content requires not just the ability to do simulations or be able to actually uh, handle the thermal management aspects of that, but also all the routing and wire harnesses that go along with that as well. So if I were just to address that first challenge of increasing part complexity, if you really want to try to fully extract out the potential that any design has for truly meeting requirements, utilizing a generative design methodology is something that helps you much more clearly address requirements and get to a fully optimized design. Derek shares additional insight and speaks to the role that generative design and 3D printing are playing. Yeah, there's a couple really exciting things going on with uh, generative design. And one area is with topology optimization and 3D printing has opened up a whole new world for aerospace. And this is an area that's growing really, really rapidly and companies are investing heavily in 3D manufacturing or 3D printing. The reason why it's kind of exploded now is, is we've been able to create these really organic, really strong structures, but there was no way to really manufacture them in an effective way. And now with 3D printing, we can. We can print it in titanium or steel, or you get these really you know complex structures. And one of the real challenges before is you didn't really have any good tools to kind of modify it. Once you kind of run the simulation and you come up with this really organic shape, there was no way to kind of modify it at all in an easy way and iterate with it. And now with our tools and with convergent modeling in an X, we're able to modify those those structures and, you know, add material to our area, add blends in certain areas that we feel like there needs to be more strength. And so we really have a huge advantage in this area of, of 3D printing. The other one is like with machined parts, finding out the, the optimal design, you know, a huge weight cost of, uh, or the weight, the huge impact of the structure, you know, that's that's a big portion of the weight of the airplane is the structure, the steel structure. And the machine parts, you know, they're always looking for ways they could take out material there to, to save weight on a plane, but they need it to be just as strong. And so with the tools like HEADS, which will run basically hundreds or thousands of iterations, changing the model parametrically, you're able to kind of eliminate a lot of weight in the area of these machined parts. And to do these hundreds or thousands of iterations, you really have to have a robust model that can update under these hundreds or thousands of scenarios. You know, with the tools of the NX, you know, we really can develop these robust models to really analyze and find an optimal design for uh, these machined parts. I think one of the other interesting areas is the, this question of the introduction of, of more advanced material technologies like composites. So for composites, you know, our products in NX and FiberSim produce a design environment specialized 
to the needs of an aerospace composites design engineer. And so it's almost quite analogous to what we do for additive manufacturing. That for composites, we actually create a specialized design environment with all sorts of unique capabilities that are focused on exactly what our customers need in order to be able to produce the advanced next generation types of designs that customers want to create. And I think that when you introduce composites into the discussion here, now you're really thinking about expanding out new types of, uh, of geometries, new types of materials that create these exciting next generation types of products and can do it in a way that employ the capabilities from Siemens to stay ahead of that complexity curve. In effect, to make sure that you can address the needs of uh, you know, the aerospace industry and create those next generation high performance products, but not do it in a way that risks in any way your business performance. It allows you to insert the specific capabilities associated to additive, gender design, uh, using convergent modeling, using design methodologies that are specific to composites as part of that, that help to make really just sort of open up a whole new area of innovation in aircraft and aerospace development in general. Really is exciting, John, to, to think about, you know, how you see the increase in composites and additive being kind of introduced to mainstream, you know, aerospace um, design and it's having such a huge impact in the, the, the weight of these aircraft. And really, you know, every pound that they save in an aircraft, it makes a huge difference in the cost of operating in that aircraft. And so I think we're gonna see, you know, huge advances that continue to see machine parts getting, you know, optimized to a very granular level and these composites being used in new and innovative ways and additive, really, really changing the market, really, to, to create these organic shapes to fulfill these structural requirements in the aircraft. Where is the most innovation occurring? John and Derek discuss the innovative work and complexities that arise with introducing new products. It's really aero engines that are some of the most innovative areas right now because uh, you have a dramatic increase, uh, double digit increases in the use of composite material in aircraft engines uh, going on right now. At the same time that there's this dramatic shift to doing all sorts of new types of, or designing new types of components for aircraft engines that are uh, done through a gender design and additively manufactured workflow. Yeah, there's a really, like Collins Aerospace is really doing some cool things with additive manufacturing. They're able to print these really cool internal cooling channels for like heat exchangers, like uh, fuel and oil and things like that. And they, instead of having, you know, these parts with thousands of little tubes welded together, they print these, these heat exchangers with, you know, instead of just a standard, you know, tubular, like a cylindrical profile, they you know, they look like little airfoils and they're and these are so much more effective and they are really robust they last forever you don't have to depend on somebody welding all these little tubes together so customers um, in this area are really leveraging the strengths of added manufacturing to really solve you know critical engineering problems reducing that component count from you know hundreds of parts in a set and assembly to just you know a dozen and it uh, simplifies the, you know, the installation of it, it simplifies the maintenance of it. There's so many positive aspects of um, leveraging this technology. So I think this question of increased electrification in aircraft and the use of more and more powerful avionics in aircraft, combined with this nascent trend right now in terms of electrical propulsion systems, one of the things I can say from looking at a number of uh, the different customers that I interact with 
uh, is that you know you'll hear things like they've increased power dramatically and the avionics are increasing dramatically which drives them to have to do much more simulation in order to address the thermal challenges that go along with putting more electrical systems on an aircraft and that's where their ability to have a combined ecad mcad cae definition that allows them to do more and i'd say more and more accurate definitions of the digital twin of the aircraft and to be able to simulate that faster helps them get to sort of converge on better designs faster that help them address the needs of their customers to to add in higher performance uh, capabilities that are built around the uh, the addition of these these additional avionics on the aircraft but do in a way that actually makes it so they're they get to market faster and they produce a better design that's going to be uh, more uh, uh, maintainable over time so you know I think just some of the the simulation workflows that we have really target that that problem quite directly in terms of how NX sim center and uh, and mentor all work together to develop that digital twin and then simulate it I think John you're you're familiar with by aerospace what they're doing is really uh, exciting they want to be the first electric aircraft to be certified by the FAA and they're developing an all-electric aircraft for training new pilots you know a lot of the trainers that are out there are these old Cessnas from the 50s and the 60s and they're expensive to operate they're expensive to upkeep and so you know it's a hundred dollars an hour just to, to operate these aircraft and with an all-electric you know the price of that can be very reduced to you know maybe twenty dollars you know an hour and so the cost to you know huge cost to train these new pilots is just you know, renting the aircraft or operating these aircraft to get them the hours they need. And so these electric aircraft, this is an all electric aircraft where these batteries are quite heavy and getting, you know, the, the weight and balance just right and positioning those batteries just right are critical for this aircraft. And using NX, they, they were able to simulate this to make sure really they can get that exact right, you know, mechanical, electrical balance um, working together and uh, positioning the batteries and make sure the electrical systems are all connected and, and working within the parameters and and then it also works mechanically as well so that the weight's not shifted too far back or too far forward and having to do something like add ballast later to, to make sure the plane flies better. So being able to simulate all that in one environment has been a huge advantage for, for by getting their aircraft uh, towards certification. And I think that's a great example of the intersection of all of the specialized capabilities that companies need to be able to create a next generation type of aircraft like the types that that buy are creating it's a combination of you need to have superior CAD modeling capabilities that allow you to be able to uh, rapidly innovate and develop the geometry fast you need to be able to tie that directly to a digital twin of the of the electrical system that is not just for the avionics but is also for the propulsion of the aircraft do that by taking and as in the course of doing that actually create a composite design that's going to be lighter weight that's going to expand the design space for what you can do structurally with the aircraft that will lead you to a new type of platform you know built on an electrical you know propulsion system that really does represent a true next generation platform that can transform the industry it won't be a surprise to me if in 5 or 10 years we see many many more electric aircraft out there that are uh, serving a wide variety of needs, not just for trainers, 
but for you know passenger aircraft and a whole bunch of other uh, areas that I think are going to be very exciting. And I think that problem, you know, in terms of adding into the development process, the capabilities you need to build a next generation product, that's the same problem you're going to have within urban air mobility and all these other sort of really new business models that people are trying to adopt for how they aviation transportation to a broader market. And I think, you know, one other thing that that ties into that is just the real basic question of how you handle in a mechanical sense all of the challenges associated with the increased avionics. You know, avionics mean lots and lots of wires. You know, if you look at an older design of an aircraft, you know, maybe uh, two or three generations ago, that aircraft was principally a mechanical design, a mechanical with hydraulics, some electrical systems on board. But now you look at the aircraft and the balance is completely shifted where yes of course you still have all the needs for structural requirements in the in the aircraft or the needs to meet those structural requirements but now you've got software and electrical systems and being able to manage the software component to it i think is a whole set of capabilities that Siemens provides for that but particularly when it comes to managing the mechanical aspect of the of the electrical integration uh, that's where the ECAD MCAD workflows that NX has, I think, really shine. And it really starts to show how truly differentiated what NX offers is in terms of the specialized capabilities that you need for next generation products compared to what else is out there in the industry. It used to feel really disconnected. You know, somebody would be doing the electrical design and then you'd kind of throw it over the walls of the mechanical guys and they would, you know, create the, you know, 3D routings. And then changes were very, they weren't parallel. They were, serial, you know, any changes would take a while to implement. And it was very hard to get that right because it wasn't a collaborative experience. And so now with the capital and NX integration, you know, you're able to make those changes and dynamically see them in, in NX in the 3D representation in the electrical harness and to be able to do things like cross probing and this bi-directional collaboration is, is really enables them to, to speed up that process and get the electrical systems right. And you're going to see, you know, more and more electrical systems in an aircraft. You need this type of collaborative environment to develop uh, an aircraft that with, you know, the types of complex avionic equipment. You know, this is where the conversation has completely changed. You know, the combination of the benefits that Mentor Graphics with their capital product provided, now that that's part of Siemens, uh, it's completely changed the conversation at customers where they can see from one vendor a complete set of capabilities they need in order to be able to move forward into this next generation world of increased electrification, increased avionics and products. And I think that, you know, that as much as anything, the ability for customers to have a more complete conversation on the products that they're developing with Siemens Digital Industries really is a big part of, of the value that I think that we're bringing to a lot of these businesses is that we seek to provide the specialized capabilities they need to be able to pursue strategies for for profitable growth in the business lines that they offer. And if you really want to do that, you need to be taking a holistic look at what's involved in creating one of these next generation products and this combination of ECAD, MCAD integration and handling all the complexities of wire harnesses and routing and everything like that. That's just a, a huge advantage, I think, for our customers. And it's a way that we can really help to engage with them on their strategy for how they're going to introduce uh, those new uh, next generation types of products. The second trend, 
workforce demographics. In the United States and Western Europe, many of the engineers are on the verge of retiring and it's creating a gap in available resources. What is being done and how are high schoolers playing a part of the solution? So the second trend that you mentioned is workforce demographics. And so can you talk a little bit about that? I I know that you had mentioned, you know, the aging workforce in the United States and also in EMEA, but perhaps you guys could both give the listeners a little bit more detail of what you're seeing as a trend there. Yeah, I think um, this is actually one of the biggest threats to many of our customers' businesses is their ability to attract and retain a high quality engineering workforce. And there's a lot of knowledge that people have that's been acquired over time that uh, walks out the door when people retire. And so finding ways to make sure that all of the, the knowledge stays resident inside the company, but also that um, you have ways to be able to achieve the same types of engineering know-how and the same uh, sort of understanding of how you get to an optimal design without having to rely on someone who has many years of experience that's done a lot of trial and error over time and has arrived at kind of the final solution, actually being able to do that with simulation tools and being able to give someone the ability to look at a design and to look at the design space and be able to explore it more fully. And so when it comes to addressing this concern of people saying, hey, we can't hire enough engineers, or we're gonna have a serious retention problem, people are retiring, making sure that we provide capabilities that really do focus pretty specifically on filling those gaps. And and that resource gap gets filled in a number of ways. One, as I said, is being able to support faster simulation cycles. So what previously had happened maybe over a generation of engineers in terms of arriving at kind of the best design approach for a certain type of product, now the ability to do that with advanced simulation and to be able to support much more efficient development through a variety of design exploration methodologies is something that we offer there. I think also the ability just to focus on modeling productivity, the way that people use engineering tools, these you know engineering software tools to produce the product can be dramatically improved if they um, address the right sorts of modeling approaches. And I'll I'll give you a, an example on that in a minute here, but I think you know one other area I think too is the ability to better utilize that modeling data once it's created. So you know you create the CAD model and sort of any associated information related to it in order to create a fully representative digital twin of the design. Once you have that, you want to be able to utilize that as much as possible. And, being able to take advantage of the new developments in virtual reality and augmented reality to give more insight into the product and help to avoid errors, both in design, but also downstream in consumption to manufacturing is hugely important. And the ability to share that digital twin in a collaborative way across the entire development team from, you know, from design to simulation to manufacturing, you know, potentially out to uh, maintenance is something that is actually a, a real advantage that you can get if you find a really good way to be able to create that design, create that model, do it efficiently, do it fast, iterate on that quickly, and then be able to have a a strong means of collaboration across the entire development chain. I think it's really interesting, uh, Derek, for example, in terms of modeling productivity, I mean, NX has been demonstrated to be a truly superior modeling tool relative to every other tool that's on the market today. And I think it goes strongly to a lot of the ways that the design workflows 
are enabled in NX. And I think what's really exciting is a lot of the new artificial intelligence capability that's part of NX. You see college and high school students, you know, the concept of a 2D drawing is so foreign to them. They're not used to thinking like in, you know, these, these old drawings and they want to see it 3D and to, to force them to kind of understand and, and document in 2D is, is real struggle that they think more naturally in 3D. I think we all benefit from that. And for example, there's in Boeing in St. Louis, they have a, a virtual reality lab that's just amazing. And they bring in high school students to help them, you know, and give them a design challenge. And they, you know, put on their virtual reality goggles and they all work collaboratively together in this 3D environment. And they're able to do these amazing things. And if you were to put them in front of a, you know, a, a 2D drawing and say, okay, can you please solve this problem using these 2D drawings? It would be infinitely harder for them to work out these problems. And so giving the younger generation of designers these tools that are more natural and easier for them to collaborate is a huge advantage. And, and so being able to do that using Siemens tools, give them an advantage of, of working in these kind of immersive environments really is a huge differentiator. In terms of filling that resource gap with, you know, you have younger engineers coming in and they have to be able to do more work than, or kind of be more productive than the engineers that they're replacing because they're, they're not going to be enough of them. The great sorts of capabilities that we offer I think combined with the ability to immerse themselves in the design with regard to the VR, AR capability we offer is providing something that's unique. And, and I think, you know, it's not just the VR, AR technology, it's the ability to drive that VR, AR technology from the digital twin and making sure that digital twin is something that is, is rapidly produced, is easily iterated upon and produces the high quality data that you need downstream to utilize those immersive design environments. So I, I think it's it's really great example of, of a next generation type of capability that you need to be able to produce a next generation kind of product. Supply chain, the third trend. The aerospace supply chain is changing along with the path to profitability and growth. As a result, many organizations need to reassess and restructure their internal processes to address current challenges and remain innovative. Supply chain profitability and, and what suppliers need to do to control their own destiny. I hear this time and again that frequently suppliers get pushed to the IT solutions of their customers. So the prime has a certain IT solution and they tell their supplier that, uh, you know, they want them to design using certain tools or do this in certain ways. And then of course that next step down the supply chain maybe gets told something similar. They end up being driven to use certain IT, engineering IT solutions that are good for their customer, but maybe aren't necessarily good for them. And in many ways it will dramatically and, and directly affect the profitability of the supplier if they're driven to use, I'll say, a sort of an incongruous solution for their own position within the aerospace supply chain. So finding the right fit for an IT solution, you know, particularly engineering software, depending upon your position in the supply chain, is hugely important. And, and we see that there's lots and lots of inefficiencies that can be developed if companies are always trying to use the particular engineering tool of, uh, of their customer, often in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense for how they do business. And so I think that's, you know, an interesting area where, 
you know, a lot of the capabilities that we provide that I think are truly these next generation types of capabilities around modeling productivity and investing more in the ability to develop, to more quickly develop the design and you know, sort of develop the digital twin. But also once that's created to support a whole range of workflows around collaboration. Um, in collaboration both within the company, but also across the supply chain. I can, I think, you know, directly to a lot of the capabilities that Team Center offers, particularly with uh, regard to visualization, make it so that you can do things in a much more, I'll say, in a, in a way that's much uh, more of a better fit for a company in the supply chain than you can do it if you're using the dictated tool that's coming from the prime in the uh, in the supply chain. The ability to have like a the digital twin and, and digital thread enables you to iterate so much more than you could, you know, with these disconnected tools. So if you wanted to make a change and evaluate a change, you know, with an integrated set of tools, you're able to do that in, you know, minutes or maybe, you know, within the same day, you could go through multiple iterations where before with disconnected tools, it would take you so long to do that. And, and so you think when you're designing an aircraft, I mean, how much mo money is, is invested in these engineers and their time. But if you're not giving them the tools to be productive, you're saying, oh, you know, I'm gonna save money on buying kind of this mid-range software solution. And so you save for yourself, you know, a dollar an hour, but this engineer is only, you know, 20% or 50% effective. If you look at the bigger picture, if, if this engineer could go through, you know, dozens of iterations instead of one or two iterations, think about how much better that aircraft will be and how uh, how much better the performance of that aircraft would be with an optimized solution. I think software vendors understand this and they're they're investing appropriately. They're they're saying, you know, we need this digital thread, thread digital twin that Siemens offers us. Yeah, and I think the the ability to do that though in a way that's truly open and supports a wide range of collaboration. So the ability to take CAD models from other vendors into the NX environment and to be able to work on them via JT workflows or other types of workflows make it so that we have a much more powerful set of design tools that support the needs of a company that's, you know, kind of at a mid-tier in the supply chain that can support the needs of their of their customer farther up the supply chain, but also support their interaction with, say, the tier three or tier four supplier downstream that's also going to be able also going to have to utilize that data that's the jt story is is a really great one uh john i'm glad you mentioned that you know, customers like northrop grumman are had these customers who demanded so, oh you have to prevent it you know provide us native cad data they worked with this and they it's a huge effort to create gigabytes of you know native cad data for for their customer in the end the customer was never even able to open that entire structure up in their cad tool and so they said, you know, what if we started iterating using JT instead? And and so they said, oh, no, no, we have to have native CAD. It's like, well, we're going to give you the JT in addition to the native CAD. And, and let's just, you know, see how this works. Very quickly, you know, their customer decided this is much better. We can open the whole structure. We can see it in context of our own design. This is the new way that we're going to interact. And so JT has become uh, a great way for suppliers to interact and collaborate. Yeah, I, I heard it put once uh, that, uh, you know, JT is the key that opens up profitability or opens up the door to profitability in the supply chain uh, because it allows for companies to be able to really embrace their own design methodologies and to do what's important for them 
using you know NX or you know the CAD system that makes the most sense for them, but then also support a, a you know a, a collaborative and transparent process across the supply chain that utilizes that JT data. Uh, to do exactly what you said, that you know, support the needs of the customer in a way that's even better than you can do with native CAD. We're really excited to be playing a major role in the aerospace industry today and how we provide these specialized kinds of tools that focus on creating these opportunities for our customers and their next generation products. Special thanks to John and Derek for coming on the show and talking about all of these exciting innovations occurring in the aerospace and defense industry. And thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Next Generation Design Podcast. I'm Jennifer Piper. Siemens Digital Industries software is driving transformation to enable a digital enterprise where engineering, manufacturing, and electronics design meet tomorrow. Our Accelerator portfolio helps companies of all sizes create and leverage digital twins, which provide organizations with new insights, opportunities, and levels of automation to drive innovation. For more information on Siemens Digital Industries software products and services, visit www.sw.siemens.com. Or you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Siemens Digital Industries software, where today meets tomorrow.